It's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, you know, we, I last week, if you haven't got online and listened to Kirk's message from last week or if you weren't here, I'm going to really encourage you to do that. Apart from being a cracking word, the two go together. I'm putting today's message in on the back end of what Kirk spoke about uh, last week and we're going to continue on our series of, um, in my very Aussie accent trying to do a Greek word, koinonia, um, koinonia, koinonia, yeah, koinonia, koinonia, however you want to do that, tomato, tomato, whatever, Um, (laughs) but bottom line is, it's about fellowship (laughs) Um, in the body of Jesus. I want to um, give you forewarning as well this morning that this is not a word that's just about nice to hear as Kirk, and I thought it was a really pertinent thing he said last week because I do believe we are, re- I truly believe this, that we are in a season where he spoke from Acts 2, uh, 42, and, and, the, and Kirk said the, the start of that is they devoted themselves to the disciples' teaching. And Kirk said that we often can wait for the burning bush, flashes of lightning, and the great bam from the Holy Spirit. But all the while, there's always an invitation that we would actually um, apply ourselves and actually ask God that he would be with us and the Holy Spirit would be on us as we devote ourselves to the things that he is calling us to do. So it's not about your human effort. That's not what we're talking about there. What we're talking about is having a desire to serve God and to love God and love other people and engage in that. And that's what we're talking about. So I encourage you, if you have your book and pen, I often do, or your phone and your notes open, there is going to be aspects today that it's going to be about devoting yourself. Take it and take it home and, and, and really dig into what God wants to say to you because the, I believe that we are in a season of an invitation from the Lord um, of engaging with him. We are, uh, last week, um, I don't point at that screen, I'll point it that way for the clicker. Kirk talked about koinonia and fellowship from the perspective of, just to uh, get us back into that space again, that koinonia fellowship is about communion. So it's about communion in, and union, in common union in Jesus, uh, a shared life and participation in the bringing the kingdom of God to this world. And in that, we then uh, we share our stuff, our material. We share our hearts. That's our emotional solidarity. Uh, we're devoted to walking um, the highs and lows or the mountains and valleys together. And we walk as the people of God on this earth. We are the bringers and the bearers of the kingdom of God. So again, I encourage you to go and listen to that word. Um, And then Kirk went on to talk about how we engage in life in some of those things. And in particular, from the perspective of extending uh, God's love to people in the tragic events that have happened in the last couple of weeks with the young lady losing her life and other ways that we can be engaging to support our community as we go through this time of isolation. He also used a quote which I really loved um, last week. And he said... It says, I'm going to just read that again quickly to you. Uh, Intimacy with God leads to intimacy with one another. In other words, our mutual belonging and relating is founded on God's presence and God's word. The priority of fellowship is all about the importance of relationships, actually doing them, 
operating relationally, sharing a common life. It means being family to one another in loving and caring relationships. We prioritise fellowship. And as I listened to that last week, I was really struck by the Holy Spirit as that first sentence was read. Intimacy with God leads to intimacy with one another. It was one of those bam kind of moments. It really hit me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me right then on that, in that moment. And he said, you know, Scott, you can only do this. You can only do those things if you let me love you. You've got to let me love you in order to do those things and have fellowship and do all the activity of the kingdom in the midst of fellowship. And you've got to, you can only love others if you let me love you. They're two things that go very, they're hand in hand and they go together. Because, and I want you to hold on to this, this, this statement. I don't think it's a Scott thing. I think I've heard it somewhere before. I can't claim it. Love is the economy and the power of the kingdom. I'll say it again. Love is the economy and the power of the kingdom. So whether you are spending or whether you are receiving, it's all about love in the end. And last week, Kirk talked quite a bit about the spending. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about the receiving and letting God love you and letting us love each other. Straight up, again, I, I just love worship this morning because there was such a sense of declaration around who God is, how great he is, all, all of those things, and where we find ourselves, oh, there's the quote before you guys, if you, if you want to take a quick photo before I move to the next slide, you can. Um, um, that I want to make a, a, some statements. There's power in declaring the truth of, of where we are at and who God is, so... I want to declare really clearly this morning as we start this word, because uh, it's, it's a very, very crucial thing. Um, God is still good and God is still faithful. Straight up. God is good and he's still faithful. In the midst of our isolation and all the things that are going on, the craziness of this world, these things are still true. Jesus is still king. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is still moving and he is the manifest presence of God on this earth. But he does it through his kingdom bearers, which is you and me. Cool? Those things, they, I just want to declare them out to you guys, um, that we would hold on to those as we look at the rest of this word this morning. But as we talk about the, the um, letting God love us, it gets really hard sometimes, doesn't it, when we have circumstances like what we've got going on right now, and what we often find and what the danger can be is we allow the presenting circumstances, and if we want to call it for what it is now, isolation, we allow the presenting isolation to direct how God loves us. It's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous if we, we think that God has to come in and love us and that it's directed by the circumstance. It's an influence. That's true. It's a, we can't say that we're not going through this circumstance. We are. We are going through this period of time. But it doesn't dictate. It doesn't direct. It shouldn't direct how we let God love us. Let me give you a little picture that might help. I think sometimes what we do is this. Now, 
put your presenting circumstance at the moment, I put in brackets, isolation, there might be many others. And we think about God's love coming and breaking in and it's kind of overlapping and it's not really consuming all of that area. There's parts of it where we, we, we feel like it's God's loving us in it, but, but we need more of it to his love to come in into that circumstance. I'm not talking about whether we see the victory in it, but I'm talking about letting God love us in and through it. And so we think about his love is just kind of, kind of moving in on it. When I think the better way and, and, a, and, a, and a more helpful way, and God's been speaking to me about, oops, is maybe a little more like this. So God's love is still a circle. It just happens to be breaking out of the whole, it's uncontainable. You can, it's, it's, it's off the charts. <laughs> And so what ends up happening, though, is, see that little, can you see the little circle, maybe on the video, yeah, you can, because it'll be right there. Um, the little circle, what happens, though, what we, the way we maybe should think about it more when we're thinking about how God loves us is the presenting circumstance tries to rear its head through the all-consuming, all-loving God. It tries to push through and stick its head up and try and distract us from receiving God's love. God's love is always and everywhere true. All right? Jesus made that clear and he made it happen through his death and his resurrection. So as you go through these times and as we think about receiving God's love, don't just think, yes, there's a sense of increasing God's love, that we always get more. But it's not that that circumstance dictates how we receive that love. It's that we actually... We are in God's love all the time. We've got we to find it. We've got we to receive it. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. All right. We're going to do that. Oh, what am I doing? We're going to do that today through John's um, script, through the scriptures of John and in... Um, John chapter 17, if you want to turn there, verses 20, to, uh, twenty-six. if you want to turn there, we're going to have a look at this, um, receiving God's love through the context of this scripture. And, um, you know, um, we... <laughs> We received a word during, during worship, and that was from John 15, uh, that I am the vine, you are the branches to link in. This prayer from Jesus comes on the back of that in John 17. Same context, same area, where Jesus is talking to the disciples right before he dies. Um, and he goes through this, just John 14 onwards, just beautiful, beautiful um, scripture. Um, it's many people's favorites. Go and you can have a read of that. And in particular, we're going to focus on John 17, uh, 20 to 26 this morning. And I'm going to quickly read that to you. Jesus prays for all believers. That'd be you. That'd be me. Right before he dies, just to keep that in context. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. 
so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to quickly give you two things today. Again, these are take-home items that we want to talk about in terms of letting God love you. And I want to center those two things around one key word that comes out in that scripture a lot. One. Oneness. Oneness. Receiving God, letting God love you through oneness. Hold down to that. So the first one that I want to have a look at is that we're one. I've gone too far. One with Jesus. The first and foremost through the prayer of Jesus and the promise of Jesus in verse 26 is that he has made himself known and will continue to make himself known. He'll continue to do it. That was his promise. He'll continue to make the Father known. That is his promise to each one of us today. And some of us really need to hear that today. Jesus is going to continually make himself known to you. He is actively pursuing you. He's coming after you with everything he's got. He laid down his life for it to happen. You're that important to him. He's going to continue to do it. That was his promise and it's true. It is true. The second one, the second part of being one with Jesus, and, and my goodness, we are invited into the oneness that he has with the Father. That is a staggering statement if we actually really stop and think about that. Genesis tells us, that the Father, the Son, in Genesis 1, we see the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit operating together at the creation of the world. And they, they work together in this beautiful way, in this beautiful dance all the time. And Jesus' life consistently, I do what I see the Father doing. You've given me glory that I would glorify you. All the statements he consistently makes. And then the Holy Spirit showing each one of them off. They dwell in this perfect oneness together not if oneness goes further than fellowship fellowship is the outworking of oneness does that does that make sense to you so so it, it is the outworking of when we are connected with with Jesus and then we can love each other which we'll get on to in just a moment but the other part of that is that we are also our identity and then for, therefore our permanent position of acceptance is off the charts in oneness. It's, it's a thing that we are going to be discovering for the rest of our lives if we will choose to devote ourselves to the things of God. It's an, it, that, that is, the, to receive the love of God is on our end, okay? Because God is consistently pouring it out. Remember the picture? Big love, all-consuming love. He is consistently pouring his love out. To the degree that we will want to receive it 
is the degree he will give it. And then some to try and draw us into it just a little bit more as well. So we would know him and we would know Jesus. I'm going to leave that one with you there again to think about. But God is available and his love is available to us. So when we have presenting uh, circumstances like isolation um, and the trying to, the power of the, you know, so the presenting isolation power of disconnection is broken in Jesus because disconnection is the opposite of oneness, right? So it's that separation. So isolation is trying to separate. But the promise of Jesus to each one of us is oneness, that we would have fellowship, that we'd have connection, that we would have relationship. But we are one, just we are called to be one, just as Jesus is one with the Father. It is mind-blowing. I'm, I'm sitting on that one, and I'm going to continue to sit on that one. So I really want to encourage you, homework. John 17, this passage we read, read it over and over, and you'll start to see things like how many times known is mentioned in that passage, how many times one is mentioned in that passage, how many times love is mentioned in that passage, right before Jesus dies and as he prayed for you and for me. Have really dig into it, dig into that word. In John, we see another aspect, though. There's a second one, and that is that we are one with each other. One with each other. All right. <laughs> Maybe we like number one. Maybe number two is something that we aren't always as excited about and we might not want to experience as much. Yeah, I've got to be honest, there's times and where I'm like, yeah, no more people. No more people, Lord, like, please, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm really empty. I'm no more people. Um, and I think there's many of us in the world today where this sense of isolation and social distancing has been widely accepted and just like, yeah, bring it on. I love it. You know, if, if there's any, you know, physical sign of that, the fact that tracksuits or, or sweatpants, the sales have gone through the roof, is kind of evidence that some people are very, very comfortable in this season of actually not having connection with any people. <laughs> but Jesus is really clear about how love operates in this passage in John 17. We are one with him and we are one with each other. The two go hand in hand. He didn't separate them throughout this passage. He connected them very, very closely together with each other. We have his love and then we love each other. We are actually invited to be one with each other as represented by the Trinity. Again, it's kind of mind-blowing, that one. To think about the depth of connection that we were meant to have with each other and what Jesus, in, in just a little theological bone that I'll throw out there, he's really, really re-inaugurating the, the creation, the new creation. If you look at the language of what he says and you look at Genesis, this is what we were created to be right from the beginning. So he's calling back the original creation um, order as such as he prays for us. What amazes me in this passage, though, as, as you, if you have a read of it, is what will be the result of when we love each other? 
of what Jesus actually declares the result will be. Now, you would think potentially, or maybe the world would want to say, you know, mountains crumbling, earth shaking, burning bushes, red seas parting, and you know, a seas parting in half, you know, um, miracles across the board, you know, which to, to a degree are, are all true. But the one thing that Jesus said will be the evident evidence of what will happen when we are one with him and one with each other is unity. He says it's unity. He says in verse 23, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them. When we love each other, the one thing that humanity has never since the fall been able to do together, now there's parts of it, I get it, is unity. When the Tower of Babel, again another theological bone, happened in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, and there was a sense of separation in the nations, unity has been our constant struggle. And Jesus says, when you love each other, the world will know that I have come, when you love them in my name, and you love each other in my name, because it'll be something that they don't know, and they're not used to, I think is what he's saying. I will call you together. That will be the sign. Now, the signs and wonders and all those things are really, really important too. Not, not downplaying them. But Jesus says, through all of those things, what will come out is that people will know that you love me, you're one with me, and you're one with each other. And it will be unity that will show them. The world will know. Quite an, an, another amazing thought. All right. We want to get practical here, so I want to move along quite quickly to give, you, give us a little bit of time to just rest with the Lord this morning. Um, there's two aspects really quickly about loving each other. Now, we, we love each other, which Kirk spoke a bit about last week, and again, there's aspects of today's message and last week's message. If we play them again and play them together, we will then be able to really dig in and devote ourselves to how we can love each other. The second part to that, though, is we've got to be able to receive it. We need to be actually able to receive God's love, not only from him, but from each other. Because the reality is, yes, God comes to us through the Holy Spirit, and and yes, he empowers us, he loves us, he calls our identity to be true. All of those things are very true. The one-on-one connection is very true. I want you to just... but. Can we park that? Can we agree that that is true? But then talk about the other part of it where when we receive God's love, it actually is through his people that he chooses to bring a lot of his love to us. Now, it's not dependency on man. Again, it's not all we're talking about. So whenever we receive something from people, we're always asking God, is that you? Always, because we are broken to that degree and we sometimes get it wrong. And so we want to ask God, is that you? But we have to be able to receive. Remember, love is the economy of the kingdom and it gets spent and it gets received. So when we receive love from others, that can come in forms of many different forms. Love is the economy. So it can be a word. Somebody has a word of knowledge or a prophetic word for you. It could be very practical. Somebody serving you in some way. It could be financial support. It could be in prayer. There's so many ways that God's love comes to us. We have to be willing to receive it when it does. 
And just quickly, I know it's really messy. I know it's hard sometimes to do that. And I know it's humbling. And sometimes, for my, I don't know about you, in my life, it's been downright painful to actually <laughs> receive the love from people, love of God from people that I really didn't want to receive it from. I'm like, no! <laughs> God, why? Why did it have to come through that person? And he said to me, because you needed to know it was from me. Because if I gave it to you through a friend, you might not have got it. You might not have caught it. You might have just, they talked to you that way. You might not have heard it the way I wanted you to hear it. And so I got your attention by actually sending it through that person that you probably didn't necessarily want to hear it from. I'm like, okay, humble, yep. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. And that happened for me and for, well, maybe more for me than for Belinda when, when Kobe was, uh, was, when Belinda was pregnant with Kobe. I got, um, we got given a word from, uh, from a person that I really did not want to receive it from at that time. We had some stuff going on and that we had to work through and it was a word about who Kobe would be and I, I wrestled with it because I'm like, Lord, if this is you, I don't want to reject that. I want my son to have all the things that you have so and be praying for that before he's born and he said your son is going to be uh, joy he is he's not going to have the aspects of joy he's going to be joy to people and if you know Kobe it's it's a really really true word he brings joy to anybody who gets in contact with him and they want to be around him as a result I didn't want to hear it I wrestled for days when that word came. I actually got angry at God to say, why did you do that? But we've got to be able to put ourselves in a position where even if we're frustrated, go, I want what you have from me, God. And so I'm going to hear that. I'm going to receive that. Here's one other area in my life, and I'm kind of saying these things to maybe stir some stuff that might be going on in you as well, that God would prompt things in you uh, as well, is um, false humility. So when somebody actually encourages you or, or gives you a word of encouragement of what you did or, or a thankfulness, we, we deflect it through false humility. Oh, yeah, that's all Jesus. It's all Jesus, thanks. But yeah, no, that's all Jesus. But I, you know, we, we bounce it off ourselves, and we don't receive the, that that sense of the love of God because your Father is proud of you. Your Father in heaven is proud of you. So sometimes when people come to you with an affirming word about who you are or what you've done, don't deflect it. Receive it. Yes, it's okay. You can, you can say, yep, God's been doing a great work in me and I want to say thank you for saying that to me and, and that that's actually something that's coming out of me. So thank you. Anything, whatever that looks like, like that, go go there. Don't def, don't have false humility. Don't do that. Receive the Father's love through other people and allow that to actually happen. Honor is a good thing in the kingdom of God. So this morning, I really want to give you an opportunity to actually receive God's love.